Loading Brian Sovereign 4.0. Private Agent, Mnemonic Courier. Verifying that all software is DAPS compatible. Programs ready. Loading. Anarchism kernel. Loading. Tech news feeds. Loading. Secret history libraries. Loading. Hedonism theme. Loading. Cryptographic processes. Loading. Science software. Loading. Rationality and self-knowledge systems. Loading. Unimatrix Zero. Loading. Non-killing protocol. Loading. Open source sexuality subroutines. Loading. Triple Black API. Loading. Golden Stallion.RPM. Now ready for something Jack. that loves the military that just can't wait saying please please just keep us safe you can take all of our liberties you know that anarchists all around the world are super villains baby by that metric and fortunately the golden stallion the man of tomorrow Savzu, is not alone in his anarchism in this week's episode i am being joined by the lovely and hyper intelligent dr stephanie murphy Stephanie, thank you for being here. Hello, Brian. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, before you all say anything, yes, I know I don't sound like my usual sexy self. Or, well, maybe this is sexy to some people, but... Uh, maybe people have kind of a, a, a stuffed nose fetish? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some people who probably do have that. But to, I imagine to so. most of you out there, you're like, what the hell is going on? Nobody wants to hear Stephanie's sexy voice all nasally and stuffed up. Yes, I've caught a cold. It does happen to the best of us sometimes, but it's not going to keep me from being on Sovereign Tech with my sexy man who I love. And I, you took such good care of me last night. We were actually going to record this last night, but we, I was feeling too sick. And so you just cuddled me and rubbed me and we watched movies together. We got Chinese food and it was just a wonderful night. And I love you so much. You're so sexy and and so hot. You have great arms. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, you knew I was going to say that, huh? <laughs> hey. <laughs> and, I love, and I love hanging out with you and doing your podcast, so thanks for inviting me to be on. Oh, it's it's always my pleasure. And folks, that's that's the show. That That's, I think, we've... <laughs> We're all done. That's a wrap. We're all done. Okay. I, my my week, ego folks. is properly stroked, and maybe something else will be. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I love you, too. I love you. I mean. Oh, we anyway, love each other. Yeah, I, the stallion speechless. That's <laughs> I love you so much. Uh, so anyway, yes, uh, thank you so much for being on. I know I know you're not you weren't feeling well, um, but we will, of course, you know, we'll get through this and we've got a lot of great stories uh, to cover. And yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's amazing, really, because you and I, Stephanie, we've been traveling a ton lately. So I don't know how you didn't catch this cold sooner. I know. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. I mean, we've been traveling for like the last three weeks and just really yeah, bouncing non-stop. around, stressed out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess it finally caught up to me. So hopefully it doesn't last too long because yeah. uh, I don't know. But, you know, being self-employed, being a voice actor, it's like this is kind of like my worst nightmare. You know, because right. I can't do much as, as far as work goes. So I guess I should be thankful it hit on the weekend or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what I'm really thankful for? I'm thankful this is not a video podcast. Because yeah. you, you all can imagine me like in some little negligee, you know, in this uh, professional studio. And she might actually be wearing <laughs> With like that. full makeup and hair down. And <laughs> I just look at really hot, just a little stuffed up nose, but that doesn't matter. Because uh, everyone's looking at my tits anyway. Yeah, so, right. I mean, they're not actually listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> so that if that's what's going on in your mind, great. Keep it that way. <laughs> Don't picture me sitting in our attic in my pajamas with with tissues stuffed up both nostrils, trying not to <laughs> let snot drip onto the microphone. Well, you know, let, let's talk about that for a minute, okay? <laughs> because I've been asked many times to do a video podcast. Uh, like, or, you know, or not a video, because I think you would argue there's probably not such a thing as a video podcast, but I've been argued to do a video show. Oh, this is a whole rant. I mean, a podcast is a very, it's a podcast. It's not a vodcast. It's not on your YouTube. It's not a YouTube cast. Right. It's on your pod, your iPod. <laughs> that yeah. means you listen to it like audio only. They didn't have screens. They had maybe like that little black and white screen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're on Let's Talk Bitcoin. Do you, do you ever hear any of this? Do people ever give you any any shtick saying like, you know, <laughs> hey, you guys should be on video or something like that? I mean, well, I, I don't know about the listeners. I think so. What I've heard is um, fr- from people who listen to podcasts. If the podcast adds a video feed, about 10 to 15% of the audience will actually watch the video. But the people who watch the video love it, and they watch the video every time, and they don't listen to the podcast after that if it's available, which leads me to kind of wonder, like, why they were tuning into the podcast in the first place, if they're really more of a video person. But anyway, so it's like (laughs) the majority of the people still just listen to the podcast, even if it is available on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and then there's always the problems with like monetizing and hosting and bandwidth. And that's a whole other freaking issue. But yeah, so on Let's Talk Bitcoin, which is another podcast I'm a part of, we have discussed doing a video show. But I ho- the thing they don't understand is I host the show with two guys, okay? The- Adam's like, you know, 
California hippie. He's got a beard <laughs> growing out of his face. He can roll out of bed and it's fine. And Andreas, you know, he always looks good. It's like he's got short hair. He doesn't have much to worry about. Right. He would probably be a little more sympathetic to this than Adam would. He would, yes. Uh, but like, they don't have to worry. If they wanted to do a video podcast, they wouldn't really have much prep work to do. But me, on the other hand, I would be automatically putting myself out there to be judged on my appearance. And that's what everybody watching would do. Man, woman, child, you name it. Everybody would be looking at me and judging me for not looking beautiful enough. Oh, we'd Even though to... Adam has a puby beard coming out of his face <laughs> and Andreas just rolled out of bed. <laughs> we'd have to put up a mirror in the studio, you know, just so you could always make sure, do I look good? Do I look good? You know, you'd it's have a real to, problem. Like, you'd have to is... take breaks to make sure that, that you were looking, because if you had one hair out of place... Yeah, I mean, I'd it, never hear the end of it. Exactly. And, it, and I'd have to spend hours getting ready for the podcast to make sure the lighting's perfect and I have full oh. makeup on and now my hair looks good. <laughs> I mean, it's just... So that's why I didn't want to do the podcast. So if you want to blame me for holding back Let's Talk Bitcoin as a video podcast, go ahead. But I just don't really want to spend like three times as long getting ready for a, a podcast that I don't get paid for anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, and I don't ever really want to do Sovereign Tech as a video podcast. Like, I mean, first off, I, I'm generally doing it nude, so it's not going to go on YouTube. Okay. That's uh, right. Yeah. I mean, like no pants, nothing. You know, I walk around with the robe now since it's cold and it's Hugh Hefner, you know, I've heard. <laughs> I don't know about you, Brian, but like I do better when I'm actually relaxed, when I'm not worried about my appearance. I can focus on what I'm saying instead of how I look. Yeah. Worrying it, about how right. I look. It does add something to it. And, you know, you just you can't please people like I used to early on in Sovereign Tech's history. This is years ago. I, you know, I would actually post each episode. I would post it as I normally do on SoundCloud. I'd post it wherever else. And then I would make a video version, not, you know, just with pictures or whatever, but I'd make a version that's compatible with YouTube and I'd put it up on YouTube. And, you know, I mean, on average, I per video, I would get maybe 14 views. And it's like, you know, I love anybody that listens to this. I really I appreciate people that listen to the show. But for 14 of you, I'm going to add on like almost two hours to production to get the, you know, yeah, no, no sorry, guys. <laughs> and you didn't even have to put on any makeup. <laughs> no, right. Yeah. I mean, it's a pain in the ass any either way you go about it. It is. And it's like, OK, it's free hosting. But but like, how much money are you going to make from that? Well, like, how much time are you losing and how much money are you ever going to make from YouTube ads or whatever? Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too, is I really don't like relying on third parties, especially ones no, I'm not they paying take for. it away. Look what happened to uh What's that guy, the conspiracy guy that got his channel? Like, oh, Mark Dice. Oh, Mark Dice. Yeah, we talked about yeah. that on the show, didn't we? Yeah, he got it. I mean, lots of people have had their channels taken down. Yeah. Um, I would not want to rely on that. I, you know, I don't like to rely on third parties at all. Um, yes, I use SoundCloud. I pay for that account, though. And if somebody took my, you know, SoundCloud took my stuff down, I'd say, hey, hey, you know, I think I would have some grievance. It's like, no, I gave you money. We There's an exchange that was done here. Okay. As to where Google... I don't think, you know, with YouTube, you don't have anything to complain about. Like if they decide to take your channel down, it's like, well, you weren't paying shit for it anyway. So who, who the fuck cares? Uh, you know, I mean, but that that's that's a whole other. Yeah. Could you really complain about something that's being given for free when it gets taken away? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other thing. And also, I think a lot of the alternative internets and yes, I mean that plural and that's what I want and they are coming, uh, you know, or like mesh networking and all that like video is holding all of that up. 
people won't consider it viable because they can't watch YouTube on it. And I'm just like, you know, fuck it. Fuck, fuck YouTube. I've talked about this before, but like, I don't give a shit, but sovereign tech, I'll put 16, I'll give you 16 kilobit versions of it. Won't even take up a few megs. And it's two hours of great content. If I don't say so myself. Oh yeah. Okay. If you listen to blog talk radio, you can listen to that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Oh God. You know, I've never been a video person actually. I mean, yeah, Yeah. we're like the TV generation, right? We grew up with TV and the internet. Sure. Uh, so why not combine them and uh, make them into YouTube and uh, and have a grand menagerie of all the things we grew up with? But I think, um, you know, podcasts have always been more appealing to me because I've always been like an auditory learner. Like I absorb sure. information. You like to read, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more of a book guy. Yeah, but that's neither video nor audio. But yeah, I like right. audio best. And that's how I do that's how I like absorb content and I like to be able to do something else with my eyeballs while my ears are absorbing information. So podcasts have always worked out really well for me, but I realized that not everybody has those preferences. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge topic because we could get into like, I've talked about this where I think part of the the purpose of the self-driving car is so that you can watch more YouTube yeah, and I, <laughs> they can put ads on the, right. on the windshield. I'll put ads on the windshield, like like that's that's oh really gosh. the big push. You know, when we were in Vegas a couple weeks ago, yeah, we got to talk about this. Okay, <laughs> when we were in Vegas a couple weeks ago, um, we we stayed at this hotel for this Bitcoin conference. The hotel was called the D, and uh, you hold your jokes, please. <laughs> and uh, when you were in the elevator, they had these giant pictures of food on the elevator door. That you couldn't not look at, right? And and like every time you got the meat, every time you got the elevator, you're looking at this gigantic meatball, and you're like, "Ooh, I'm kind of hungry." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it worked. It's on the door of the elevator. I can't control myself. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and then yesterday, I went to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned, and they reclined me back in the chair. Okay. And I'm looking up at the ceiling, and there's a fucking poster on the ceiling advertising, oh, you can get braces that are invisible and wow. whiten your teeth. <laughs> they will and advertise like, to you everywhere. God fucking damn it. Just stop. <laughs> I don't want to see these ads. It's, it's obnoxious. They're really getting in your face. Yeah. Talk yeah. about a hard sell. Yeah. You know, it, that's a side subject that I, I've, I've talked about throughout Sovereign Tech's tenure uh you know history but uh you know the advertising like i know i know a lot of libertarians you know like oh advertising so important and and, hey i'm an ad exec like i I get it okay i understand and i'm not necessarily against ads but i think we are getting to a point that like ironically there's a like there's publications like ad busters yeah that are super Uh anti-ads you know and i've read them you know, just because I'm, but is Adbuster still around? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They, they're they're still in publication. The interesting thing is that a lot of this stuff that they were like, people said they were fear mongering about. Oh yeah, it's all is come totally true. coming true. Yeah, like your yes, your gas pumps are talking to you now. Yeah, and they <laughs> yeah. have ads on them, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, like there's a million things that people thought Adbusters was nuts. They're like, oh no, no one's ever going to do that. It's completely unethical. No, you are getting leaned back in your dentist office and you're looking straight up. You know, half uh, you know, half <laughs> knocked out, and it's like, holy fuck, there's an ad. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's completely true. I mean, you could call ad busters a bunch of pinko commies and you might not be wrong, but uh, you're going to need an ad blocker for life now. Like, yeah, can but, we just get like some app for Google Glass or something that blocks out all the ads? Right. Yeah. Real can life? We, yeah. We're going to. That's the thing is we're going to need ad blockers for. Yeah. For our uh, our contact lenses. For real life. From yeah. Google. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, man. And, and you got to believe this is one of the reasons I'm not so big on AR. An augmented reality as compared to virtual reality. Not to say VR won't do the same, but augmented reality, seriously, I think eventually there's going to be free devices and those devices are going to be free because on every goddamn thing you look at, there's going to be an ad, you know, and you're just going to be walking around all over the place. That's where VR, you know, you're you're purposeful in what you're doing with AR. It's not so purposeful. And I think people are just going to get bombarded with bullshit. But. Oh, man. Well, that was a nice side tangent there. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you mean Brian Sovereign's pissed off about someone trying to get your money? <laughs> yeah, oh, I would never talk about that. I would never, ever talk about people scamming the fucking shit out of you. Of course. Uh, anyway. Don't ask him for his email address in exchange oh, for an ebook. Yeah, <laughs> never, ever, ever. All right. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's let's touch on some random access here before we get into our main story. Our main story is actually kind of relevant, I think, to a lot of what we were just talking about. Um, but with the random access, you know, a lot of people ask me about this one. Um, I've been a I've at least cheered for ProtonMail, which is ProtonMail.ch. This is an easy encryption. Uh, they're doing things you know, more or less everything right. Uh, this is a company that does that. And with with ProtonMail, uh, they they recently had a, they were DDoSed. Somebody was attacking them. You know, it's a denial of service attack, whatever. Uh, some people want to say, hey, is this the state trying to take down a, an encrypted email or an easy encryption uh, email option? Uh, you know, what, what's what's the deal here? And maybe I mean, may, you know, maybe something like that is going on. Uh, I don't I don't know. Uh, there are some claims that the companies that ended up getting, de- you know, that ended up getting Proton Mail kind of out of uh, out of hot out of the water, you know, out from underneath the water were government agencies. And so now people aren't trusting Proton Mail so much. Uh, I'm very sympathetic to all of those things. I I need to know more about what happened. Uh, I don't have enough data to say don't use it or use it myself. I am not going to really be using it anymore. Not that I was relying on it completely in the first place. Uh, I still, you know, my email address and everything else I use, I mean, it's all stuff that I, uh, you know, I, I, I pay for and it is, is, you know, more or less well secured as to where a new company like Proton Mail, yeah, this kind of shit happens. Is it going to happen to Tutanota? Is it going to happen to these other guys? Uh, it might. I mean, this is the nature of, of everything server side. Uh, so anyway, this is one where I want people kind of to decide for themselves. But yes, it does appear that government agencies did help ProtonMail get out of, get out, you know, uh, get their the situation in order. Was that all part of the plan? You know, was it like, was it the bait and switch? It's like, oh, well, hey, or, you know, not the bait and switch, but was it the plan that, okay, let's attack ProtonMail and then, we'll, you know, we'll sell them the solution. That way we can get in on their servers or whatever. I mean, if people want to go that far, go that far far you know i'll i'll leave that up to you know to everybody else uh, but myself i'm not going to be using it anymore so if you've emailed me through proton mail uh i recommend you you contact me in other ways and i've already removed it from the show notes uh to to where that's not a not an option but Anyway, uh, some good news or somewhat good news, but uh, Amazon is now finally offering two-factor authentication for their accounts. 
I have no idea what took them so long to do this. Pretty much every company on the planet already implemented this years ago. Yeah, we were talking about like, why did they just do this now? Like what inspired them to get off their ass? Yeah. In 2015 when everybody else did it like four years ago. Yeah, exactly. Now, I did a write up about this at the Dark Android blog, darkandroid.info. You can go check that out. Uh, You know, just recommending people go ahead and use it. And I mean, considering everything that Amazon offers you, they really they have a near feature complete digital ecosystem, as in, you know, Amazon could almost be like an AOL where and maybe that's not an unfair comparison as to where like they have if you have a prime account with Amazon, you get everything. You have unlimited cloud storage, unlimited photo storage. You have um, you have the music service, the streaming music service that has some, almost 30 million songs uh, on it. You have Amazon Prime Video, which is a Netflix competitor. They have Twitch, which has the potential to be a YouTube competitor. I mean, other than email, they they pretty much offer you everything. And then. They can get you anything you want, more or less, on the planet inside of two days. In fact, if you're in a city, inside of minutes. You know, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. This is like one of the biggest reasons holding me back from just moving to Mexico. Yeah, right. Well, now they ship <laughs> no. in Mexico, but still, you got to well, wonder. Well, ma- you, you can't really get mail there. I mean, the mail's not very good. Right, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge issue with Mexico. But yeah, I mean, so many people rely on Amazon. And, you know, admittedly, Amazon does not want a whole lot of information from you. And it's very easy with Bitcoin and other, you know, in, in a million ways you can get Amazon gift cards. Then you can buy whatever you want. And as long as you have a shipping address, they honestly don't care. You could put whatever name you want that it's going to ship to uh i mean it's you can buy someone anonymously on there it makes you know speaking of darkandroid.info it makes the dark android project you know kind of plausible uh the fact that that exists and i mean amazon is the company i've said it they are the number one tech company on the planet and people just don't realize it yet by 2017 they will uh some people had said to me and i get this i understand some people have said to me that oh well this is uh leading towards them having bitcoin integration uh on amazon and i'm like i understand why you're saying that and it's fun to think about but look folks it, it that's not happening amazon is never ever going to and maybe i'll eat my words but i think i'm right they are never going to accept bitcoin okay if it doesn't come out of labs 126 i've been saying this for years on sovereign tech that amazon doesn't do it and they don't need to i just told you they have everything and now you have uh you know the amazon echo and everybody's home i mean like it's so easy to interact with this ecosystem it's easier than any other ecosystem out there it best google's it best everybody's uh it's it's really you know really an impressive thing Um, But it's all centralized. And that's the problem. You know, and in fact, Amazon runs like 80 percent of the Internet. I mean, I mean, is hosted by Amazon on their, you know, on AWS and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this this is just it's a huge issue. Uh, You know, the fact that it's so centralized. But if you do have an Amazon account and who the hell doesn't. Yes, go turn that two-factor authentication on. You can use an authenticator app. You can use your phone number. You know, they 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 did do two-factor authentication right. Uh, so I'll give them that much. Uh, just, you know, where are they in 2011? What the fuck? You know, like what took them so long uh, to do this? Now, maybe, maybe, I you know, I'd be open to the idea that what they actually is that they are getting ready for Amazon coin to be its own full-on currency, uh, completely on its own, 
which they already have. And, and again, like I've said before, they are going to be selling point of sale systems. They're going to take all their old Kindle tablets, sell them to brick and mortar stores at like 50 bucks a shot. And those will, those will become point of sale systems. And then they already control all the software. They already have all the infrastructure for everybody to take Amazon coin. That's why I say they're not going to take Bitcoin at all. All right. I mean, I mean, they don't need to, there's yeah, no, don't hold your breath for that. to happen. No, right. Right. I mean, there's no need for Amazon to take Bitcoin. So why do it? And it's not like they're not getting and, and please, it's not like they're not getting money from Bitcoin users already. You're going to gift.com or purse.io and you're using your Bitcoin there to get something off of Amazon. There's no need for them to take Bitcoin. Stop it, folks. God damn. <laughs> it blows my mind, you know, and, but it's so funny because, you know, this is something that gets me, Stephanie, actually, because we, we go to these conferences, these Bitcoin conferences, and these guys get hired to speak up there and talk. And they, they constantly talk about the fact how, oh, well, <laughs> Amazon's going to they're, they're going to have to take Bitcoin, you know, and these guys get treated and lauded and all oh, the claps. Oh, yay, oh, yay, you know, like like there's some kind of, you know, like uh, 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 just visionary. And it's like, no, if you paid any attention to what Amazon actually does as a business, as a business, you'd know they're never going to take it. They're just there's no need. Why build in that infrastructure? Well, Why? People want Amazon to take Bitcoin, yeah, right? But, but it doesn't need they to. wish they wish. But that's all it is. Believe. Yeah. It's faith based. If wishes were horses. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> if wishes were bitcoins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, um okay, so let, let's see what else. push bullet pro. Uh push bullet I am going to save this story for another time because this is something else I want to find out find about more about. Push bullet is uh is actually a really great service. It's not open source entirely, so I I understand it's not dapps. Uh but a lot of people use push bullet. I allow I all my content that I produce, and of course I do daily content, uh, you know, that I, I push through push bullet uh, to people if they want it. It's an option at zog.ninja. Uh, recently, they just said starting in December, they're going to be doing, it was a free service, and now they're going to be doing like a, a payment subscription. And I'll, I'll save this for later. I just want people to know that I am aware of it. And I, as it stands right now, I don't plan on taking down, uh, you know, the push bullet options that I, that I offer, uh, but it is what it is. So, Google Plus. Now, here's something. Stephanie, do you still use Google Plus at all? <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to admit how I use it. But yeah, I, I have an account and I still sort of use it. But mostly it's uh, like when I publish a blog post on my voiceover website, I set it to auto automatically send it to Google Plus because I've heard that it improves your SEO. Right. Yeah. Now, I... Th but I've... I feel bad because sometimes people actually like interact with me on the post and they're like, oh, you did a voiceover. You're a voice actor now. And they think it's <laughs> me like sitting there actually posting it when it's like, no, my blog just did that automatically. And then, yeah. and then I feel kind of bad. <laughs> like I'm yeah, one right. of those scammers who like trick them with my email <laughs> list or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I still, you know, I, I push content to it. It's very easy, you know, with with either WordPress or SoundCloud, like it can just automatically go there. So why wouldn't I do it? Right? Now you said it doesn't actually help your SEO. Yeah. So that's supposedly like there's they're going to do this authorship thing. And they were also favoring Google Plus posts in mm -hmm. Google searches. Yeah, that's why I started to do it. Right. But I think both of those are no longer true. Like mm. both of those both of those programs have been stopped. Uh, and Google Plus, because Google Plus has changed. And in fact, this week it changed kind of drastically. It changed in operation, not so much in what it offers. So now I've tested this out there. Google, you know, they revamped it all server side and they made it um, where it's concentrating more on communities 
and on their list feature. So it's not so much social media anymore. And of course, photos has already been a separate thing for a long time anyway. Uh, so I've used the new app. I've used the new site and it's fast. Like, I mean, it's really fast. I'm, I'm amazed at, because that was one of the big argument or big problems with, uh, with Google plus was that it was so slow, you know, and especially for not having any ads, like, why was it so slow? And uh, I don't exactly know the answer to that, but all I can say is now is that it's very, very fast. Uh, it doesn't really look any better. It looks like more or less what they did was with the website version anyway. The the app doesn't look that much different, that's for sure. But the website is they made it so that it looks like it can work without an app, so that it works well on a mobile web browser, whatever web browser you happen to be using. A lot of websites are going towards this to where they are being designed to where no matter what size screen you're looking at them on, they look good. Uh, I mean, certainly, you know, mobile ready is a big deal that Google's been pushing. Uh, you know, obviously my own site, ZOG.Ninja has already mobile ready. It looks good when you look at it on a, on a mobile web browser. Uh, that seems to be kind of the, the push that they're going for here. But, you know, fact is not a lot of people use it, you know, and most people, you know, go with the narrative that it's it's a joke. Uh, and I mean, by the numbers, it's actually a success just compared to Facebook. It's really not. Uh, so, you know, I don't think this is, I mean, do you, do you think a redesign of any kind for Google plus is going to save it, Stephanie? I mean, I think it's more about like what friends of yours are using it than right. how fast the website it's is or how slow people. it is. Cause like, I don't know about you, but that's the most important thing to me. Like if my friends are on there and they're posting and it feels like I'm going to miss something if I don't use it. Right. That's kind of terrible, but that's, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of like looking for. Yeah. Is like, are my friends using it? Is the content there good? Um, and that's something that maybe they can try to entice it with like a better site design, but it's really going to have to come out sort of organically, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this is going to rescue anything because it really didn't change anything yeah. about Google+. Um, you know, myself, I mean, with social media, like, you know, so Twitter is kind of the main one that I use. Yeah. And there's only, I mean, it's a handful of people that like, I really want to interact with on a, what I'll call a notifications basis. Yeah. That's not yeah. an insult to anybody else. I'm just saying like the amount of people that I want to interact with instantaneously, the moment that they message me or something like that, it's a handful of people. And mm -hmm. so social media doesn't really, I don't know, <laughs> overall, it doesn't necessarily like do it for me. And like Google plus it's all about, okay, where are those handful of people accessible at and yeah. that's the one that i want to use yeah 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 so i don't even <laughs> i don't even really do twitter no right I mean, yeah you're yeah i kind i have a twitter but i i won't tweet for like six months and <laughs> i get these notifications sometimes and i'm just like oh i'll turn that off i'm just like i don't want to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah like the minute someone tweets something nasty at me or trolls me i'm like oh, okay i'm turning this off <laughs> yeah you and know? so i'm i mean you're but then there's like a lot of nice things that i miss Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there's 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 amazing things that I see on on Twitter. Uh, but and, and so you're mainly on Facebook, right? Yeah, although I hate to admit it because I hate Facebook, right? <laughs> right. Does, doesn't everybody hate Facebook? I do. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's where the good content is. Sure. You know, I see a lot of like funny cartoons that I want to share. 
So yeah. I share them and people PM me and I PM them, you know. <laughs> you know, let's talk more about that okay. for our main story. Yeah. I think this is this is a great lead into that. Um, but before we do, I just want to say I also did another write-up at the Dark Android blog that I want people to check out. And it's, it is about Facebook itself. And I'm recommending that people, if you're using Android and you want to use Facebook, there's an app called Facebook Lite. But you kind of have to do a trick to be able to do it. But I describe how to do it. Go to the Dark Android blog. Or, you know, just go to zog.ninja or darkandroid.info. Go to the search box at the top and just type in um, uh, Facebook Android. And this article will come up that I wrote, my uh, this blog post I wrote. And so because this this is amazing. <laughs> so I'll let you read the article to find out about it. But this is it's 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 pretty good for what it is. So anyway, let's talk about social media. Uh, I've got a great story that I that I want to get into here. So this story is uh, it's from The Last Word on Nothing, uh, and that's lastwordonnothing.com. Of course, link is in the show notes. Just find episode 151. Woo! We're above 150. <laughs> uh, and, and and if you find episode 151, the, the links are in the show notes for that. Uh, and the it's by Rose Evelith, and this is a blog post. Someone, sh- A listener of Sovereign Tech actually shared this with me, uh, and I thought it was such an interesting write-up. Not a long one. And but I want to get your take on it, Stephanie. I want to talk about it because I think it makes some very interesting points about the Internet of today. And the the article or the blog post is called The Internet is a Series of Lead Tubes. Lead Tubes. Yeah. So this is uh, from November 13th, 2015. So very fresh. Let's start. I'll start reading it here. Like many of you, I suspect, I have a love-hate relationship with the Internet. I'll break in here, Stallion breaking in. Stephanie, would you say... That you have a love-hate relationship with the internet. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about it. I mean, no, I wouldn't say that. No. All right, I'll say it. Okay. You think you do or you think I do? No, I, I have a love-hate relationship okay. with the internet. But, all right, fair enough. You you, you wouldn't say that. So let, let's, let's read well, up. I don't know. I mean, 20% hate, 80% love? Well, it's love-hate. If it's not 100%. <laughs> okay well nothing's 100 percent. all right fine if you want to slices? count it you count it yeah, all right uh let's read on i love the access it gives me to all sorts of information and how it connects me with people i would have never been able to hear from before i hate how it also contains spaces for people to easily gather to abuse and harass people i have made great deep friends on the internet and i have also wanted to burn the whole things down oh stallion breaking and boy i feel that one <laughs> I mean, not that I want to do damage to any property, but there's a million times where I just think, holy shit, just put an end to this. <laughs> Let's go back to BBSs. Anyway, uh, <laughs> a reading on. Do you really mean that? Sometimes. Like, I, you know, okay, so so real quick. People think that I, like, I hate anything modern people think that i don't and and there's like there's a there's kind of a meme that goes on around about that that oh if it didn't uh if it was created before you were 15 you consider it fine and okay anything created after that you're skeptical of and anything before you were born is just old timey and all shit and no it's not that folks it's just that simple that if you create a new technology or maybe a new device category or whatever could you make something that doesn't fucking connect to the internet I'll be perfectly fine with it. Just don't 
don't let it connect to you know to that gigantic spy network or i mean um you know the gigantic network uh that <laughs> I, I so i yeah. i do really miss sometimes a world where yeah like we where you could get lost in a crowd where you could yeah. where you could actually move to a new city and completely start over yeah where you could like yeah not have people you went to high school with like easily able to get in touch oh, with you anytime like the problem is high school in that case not the internet but i know what you mean well yeah but just like i don't know where you where you wouldn't be judged like professionally on things that you like sh- random thoughts that you share on social media sure you know like i I would like a little more privacy, a little more like separation between spheres of life, I guess. Yeah. well, that's... But it all bleeds together on the Internet. And it's all like you can just contact someone at any time. Anyone. Sure. Well, let's read on here. Yeah. A few months ago, I talked to Finn Brunton, a digital historian at Ed- NYU, for an episode of my podcast. Meanwhile, in the future there, I gave her a plug. Uh, the episode was all about why we might voluntarily and collectively decide to abandon the Internet. Ooh. Well, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> it's a fun one, and you should listen uh, Listen if that kind of weird future speculation intrigues you. And I did listen to the episode, and it was interesting. But Brunton also said something that didn't make it into the podcast, but that I think about a lot now. It was an analogy for the Internet and how future us might think about our current Internet world. Maybe, he said, the Internet is like lead pipes in Rome. Here's how the story goes. Lead was discovered by humans a long time ago, as far back as 4000 BCE, according to the International Lead Association. Yes, that's a real thing. Lead is soft and easy to work with, which made it useful for artists. But early cultures generally preferred copper. It was shinier and iron. It was stronger over lead until that is the Romans came along. The Romans liked lead because it's extremely resistant to corrosion, which makes it great for things like water, uh, water pipes, tanks, and aqueducts. In fact, the word plumber, Legends, you know, yeah. In fact, the word plumber comes from the Latin word plumbum, which also lends to its oh, letters. Lead. Right. PB. To, PB, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah you, there plumbum. you go. Yeah. Way, way to go, Dr. Murphy. Science. <laughs> scientist. See, I used my chemistry. Yeah, you used biochemistry today, <laughs> which your PhD is in. Uh, Do lens- you know why lead poisoning causes anemia, by the way? Tell me. Because the lead integrates in hemoglobin in place of the iron. Ah, so it like literally replaces and... Yeah, it poisons the blood cells yeah. and, and you get anemia. Pretty serious. Okay, so, and like you said, it lends itself to, to the symbol on the periodic table of PB. And around 300 BCE, the very wealthiest Romans started to install plumbing in their homes. That plumbing was made largely using lead pipes. As you probably know, lead is not good for you, as of course the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy just described for us live. According to the EPA, lead poisoning can cause behavior and learning problems, lower IQ, hyperactivity, slowed growth, hearing problems, decreased kidney function, reproductive problems, and more. There are a whole slew of rules and regulations about how much lead can be uh, in things like paint, waterways, and soil, all of them aimed at reducing exposure to the hazardous materials. Now, Stephanie, I have to say, like, I've seen these warnings about lead on various products, but it's very clear. I'm a little confused by the instructions on, on these products because it says according, you know, it says in the state of California. So 
does lead only hurt you if you live in the state of California? Yes, or? it's a magical force field. Only in California. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, and, and apparently Rome is also an issue. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's so funny that, like, all those safety warnings on products, like, mm-hmm. hey, in California, this may cause birth defects, cancer, and all kinds right. of other stuff. Yeah, so why I do think, so many people live there? I think it just forces, it. like, it just forces people to see the the false sense of security. Right. And they just ignore all those warnings, including on things that might actually be dangerous. Yeah. Like, yeah. if it was that dangerous that you have to put a warning on it, why be able to sell it at all? Yeah, absolutely. You know, why is the government... Right. Allowing you to sell it. Yeah. So, well, let's read on here. And in fact, the Romans knew that lead wasn't good for them. Several doctors and writers talk about uh, the lead poisoning they saw in metal workers. Hippocrates himself, of course, of the Hippocratic Oath, right, Stephanie? Uh, Yeah. Described metal colic in 370 BCE, but didn't realize it was related to lead. Mm -hmm. By the second century BCE, doctors accurately described lead poisoning for the first time. By the first century BCE, they knew that water that flowed through lead pipes wasn't very good for you. But having plumbing was a stat a symbol. It was a key for the wealthy and many of them continued to use lead pipes. In 1983, a chemist named Jerome uh, Nuragu published a book called Lead and Lead Poisoning in Antiquity in which he argued that this lead poisoning and the sickness that came with it is what ultimately led to the demise of the Roman Empire. Other historians don't buy that claim, but it is clear that lead is bad for you and it's likely that wealthy Romans were consuming more of it than it should than they should have been. According to one paper, the water that came from these rich Romans pipes had a hundred times more lead in it than surrounding spring water. So what does any of this have to do with the internet? You're probably wondering. Well, Brunton and I were talking about how people might remember our current time and specifically our current technological time full of social media and vast interconnectedness and online harassment and food, food delivery and GIFs. Here's what he said. Quote, maybe, maybe people will look back on what we think is the really important part of the Internet, all the meme stuff and the social networks and the places where people are making all this money. And they will look back on it the way we look back on the use of lead plumbing on the part of the aristocracy in ancient Rome, which to them was like, oh, my God, this is the sign you've arrived. This is where the action is. We have plumbing and it's awesome. And it was. It was this amazing technological infrastructure. It was beautifully made. It provided them with an incredibly high standard of living, and it also slowly, gradually made them irretrievably sick and insane. Uh Uh-oh. It poisoned them day by day. Mm. Now, I want to stop there for a second, because... That's like, isn't that the analogy that, oh, you know, there's even that funny joke from that, you know, senator, the the Internet, it's a series of tubes, right? I mean, like, that's (laughs) that's kind of thing. So so this this further analogy, you know, taking it to the next level uh, is an interesting point, I think. I'm going to finish reading the rest of it and then I want to talk about it. And we look back at it now. The, the series of tubes as this thing that was simultaneously a fascinating part of how their culture worked and the invention of a new kind of urban living, but also as something that was slowly but surely making the ruling class into people who were desperately ill, which terrible with terrible impulse control without mm-hmm. ever realizing it or understanding why. In other words, what if in 2000 years we look back on our current Internet and think of it as a fascinating but heartbreaking tale of hubris? A moment in time where people were consuming a type of technology they knew wasn't good for them because it conferred status and prestige. And that that uh, that thing they craved so much was slowly making them lose their minds. 
I think about this analogy a lot now. Some days it feels too alarmist to me, and other days it feels just about right. There's actually, uh, well, anyway, that that's that's the end of that. We'll we'll leave it there. Uh, boy, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to consider. So now I want to say something real quick because I think some people are going to be like, "Hey, wait a minute, what about that Mimi comment, uh, Brian? Don't you have an advertiser that is LibertyMemes.com?" And it's yes, I do. And the Mimi thing, I think, is more the like those memes are important and they're actually trying to convey some important information. I think the Mimi thing is just like this, like that that fucking dress what was it the, oh the, the blue and black or white and gold yeah whatever the hell that was uh i mean <laughs> that, that that's more what what that's referencing like like what importance does that have does that maybe teach something <laughs> i mean I, I who the hell knows anyway <laughs> but, <laughs> um but i mean how do you feel about this stephanie like how do you feel about this whole like that analogy in and of itself that that perhaps like social media and all this stuff is just driving people irretrievably insane well, I mean, I feel mixed about it. I appreciate that she's thinking about it, about social media that way, in yeah. that it could potentially have costs or harms that we're not necessarily aware of on sort of a collective basis. And sure. people, most people don't really step back and say like, whoa, what's been happening to our culture and or humanity in the last 10 years right. since Facebook came out? You know, like most people don't really think about that stuff. On the other hand... I think there might be like even bigger problems that are sort of of the same nature, like to like actually toxins, you know, in foods and in like cleaning products and things like that. And um, oh, I see. So you're saying the analogy can go much broader. Yeah, I don't think right. I don't think Facebook is like the biggest concern necessarily because you can at least get away from that. But there are like a lot of environmental things. I mean, like in some places the rivers are really polluted with like not only like industrial pollutants but like drugs that people excrete out when they pee and they get right. flushed into the water supply and then suddenly all the fish are female because there's all these estrogens in the water and that probably affects people too and now i sound like a total like <laughs> weirdo hippie but i mean nothing wrong with hippies you know i i think there are like environmental toxins that maybe we're not aware of like the impact of how they affect our health bpa mm -hmm. is in like a lot of stuff i know bpa is controversial but it's just an example so yeah or what about like just the standard american diet and how shitty it is yeah and the idea that like you shouldn't eat fat and you should eat like all carbs and like these artificial processed like happy meals, you know, from the freezer, lean cuisine and all that shit, Yeah, you know, and don't eat real food. So I don't know. I, I think that's a problem too. At least Facebook, you can choose to get away from it. It's not like lead piping where it's in everything and it's like integrated into the environment. I mean, it's hard to get away from social media and it's like, it's well, also especially when psychologists are telling you that you're you're insane if you're not on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was just going to bring that up, too. Right. Yeah, it's becoming like almost a diagnosis to not be interested in it. But you you can still sort of get away from it. And in fact, it's almost becoming trendy. Like it's a almost becoming a hipster thing. Yeah, <laughs> to absolutely. Like not have certain social media accounts. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of an interesting article, but I, I guess I'm not like as concerned about it as as she is and maybe i wouldn't place it as high on the priority list sure i think that's fair and i think actually the analogy could go much farther i mean like there there are high costs 
for perhaps a, a lot of, uh, you know, what are considered wonderful advancements and incredible, you know, human ingenuity and all these things that all of that can come with, you know, very genuine costs uh, that affect humans in a very negative way, much like lead piping, you know, as great as as much an advancement as that was. And probably it, it probably saved a lot of lives because, you know, plumbing, you know, people weren't walking around in feces so much or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, there's the potential there's for always that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the potential <laughs> that it could have saved a lot of lives as well. I mean, that's doing a bit of math there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting point to, to bring up, though. I'll admit, like, I mean, I, what about government? I like I feel silly almost for talking about environmental toxins. Like, what about the ideas of religion and government? Well, but Th- I, those are like the biggest priorities, I would think. Sure. But what reinforces them? Like, and I wonder if the narrative that Facebook allows to get pushed out there uh, is, you know, or a lot of the Internet. I mean, like in some ways, the Internet has freed the narrative, you know, to where people can actually find out some genuine truth here and there. But at the same time, it's also reinforced uh, a lot of a lot of crap. You know, I, I mean, it, it I mean, in so many ways uh, it has done that. So. Yeah, I, you know, if I was to say to myself, yeah, in 2000 years, are we going to look back on, as, on Facebook as being a joke and like being, uh, wow, what the hell were people thinking getting on that? I think that might be true. Uh, I think Facebook largely, yes, there are your anecdotal cases where things are wonderful. I think Facebook is turning people's minds into mush. Uh, I think, th- I mean, it's mind boggling to me. Like people actually think you can somehow have a full on human interaction on Facebook. Like I'm amazed at the the arguments people want to have with me like on Facebook or on other social media. It's like do you realize we're on social media and there's no way we could actually connect with each other here? Well, but at the same time, haven't you ever met friends on Facebook? that yeah. you did really connect with that yeah. you wouldn't have known otherwise? There, I have. I've that, certainly met a lot of people I, that I way. D- yes, I definitely have. But I could have done that on a system that doesn't offer nearly as much or that sends all of their information off to governments and whatever else. Um, you know, I, I think you're right, but it didn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be Facebook for that. Like, I think Facebook does so much off outside of that. I mean, is it, is it a blip on the grand radar of things that matter? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I think you, you have a, a fair point there. Um, but to do the good things that I think people can, can legitimately bring up that Facebook does, you don't need something as monolithic. Uh, and it's all encompassing as Facebook is so that, you know, that's I mean, and, and I, you know, I like the fact that this article wasn't trashing the Internet entirely. It was just saying, yeah, there's parts of it that are very helpful, but then there's parts of it that, oh, boy, you know, what the hell? Yeah. So like anything in life, try to take the good parts and leave the bad parts. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you don't have to stay on Facebook if you, you know, if you, or, or on social media entirely at all if you don't want to. Brian Sovereign is too cool for Facebook. Damn Skippy. (laughs) But I'm still on it. (laughs) I'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. Hey, I want to tell you about something. It's a website called libertymemes.com. It's a site that was established recently by voluntarists for voluntarists, and also for the purpose of helping spread the message of liberty. What's more important than that? Many of the memes at libertymemes.com are not only extremely entertaining, but also quite informative and convincing in the cause of promoting liberty and libertarian ideas. I need you to go to libertymemes.com, that's libertymemes.com, and find a few memes that speak to a part of the message of liberty that you associate with, and share those memes using the easy share bar located at the bottom of the screen. 
And LibertyMemes.com is a mobile-ready website. That means regardless of what chrome robot turd of a device you're slinging around, you can access it. Of course, I suppose you don't have to visit LibertyMemes.com and share their memes. You don't have to support their sponsors. Because at the end of the day, eh, maybe Liberty isn't really that important to you. But then, why are you listening to this show? LibertyMemes.com, adding new memes every day and rapidly approaching their 1,000th meme. Visit them today at LibertyMemes.com. Welcome, Agent Sovereign. Please put on your headset to enter virtual reality. I'm ready. Hit me. Now entering Unimatrix Zero. <sighs> I love this place. Secret community away from the... Hey, Agent Sovereign. Hello, who are you? I'm Pixel. I like this place you've built in VR. Encrypted, secure, and very private. No one from the corporate system to see us or tell us what to do. And if you're here, you must be friends with... <laughs> oh yes, I've met the other girls, Brian. But I'm here now because we have another mission. We need to hack into the new system. They're about to... Tell me on the way. Let's get out of Unimatrix Zero. And don't worry. Quick hack solves everything. Hack sack. It is time for hack sack. And ooh. ooh, that pixel. She's a cutie, huh? Isn't she something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you might enjoy that. Wait till you hear the rest of them. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love doing those intros. Uh, and, and Stephanie. Oh, they're like, so good. You get a lot of compliments on them. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last week I aired, or was the first time these new ones had, had come out. And, and boy, people just love it. They love the character of Pixel. Uh, the, the whole thing, they think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a good time. So, uh, and actually, Stephanie, this is the first time that, that you weren't uh, kind of the, I mean, you still do, you know, various bit parts, but like you weren't uh, the lead woman, you know, doing. I very, wasn't the star of the show, but that's okay. Yeah, I don't have you, to be the star every time. You, there's you room for more. <laughs> you will be again. Don't worry. Maybe we'll, yeah, we'll, oh, there's room for more. We'll make. <laughs> I thought Pixel did great. Yeah, I do too. I thought and so I thought too. it was funny that people were like confusing that pixel was not the voice actor that they thought she was yeah you know i'll reveal it now it's fine okay. uh like because <laughs> i did a giveaway and i gave away a few copies of ninja trek and yeah a lot of people thought they thought it was mk lords it doesn't sound like mk at all in <laughs> well, fact it sounds like who it actually is yeah it's, yeah, it's page peterson so <laughs> i think they're all a bunch of sexists and they think we all sound the same <laughs> well <laughs> You are all wonderful. No doubt about that. You're all absolutely But we amazing. are all different and yeah. we don't sound alike. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like when, when a white person sees a Chinese per or an Asian person, they're like, oh, they all look the same. They don't. It's like a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, though, ironically, that, that, this, that, that kind of line of thinking and not, I'm, I'm not saying the people that thought it was MK Lords was, or, you know, were bad in any way or anything like that and i know you're not saying that either but uh you know th this whole notion that you know of people looking the i guess looking the same or whatever the case may be or that idea of you know well they're they're other they're they're them we're us and, and they're them uh leads into actually to our uh pretty serious oh god we're uh, gonna talk about sec. this yeah yeah All we're right. going to talk about the paris attacks 
that happened last week. I had the option to talk about it last week, and I said no, like a good journalist or a good reporter, however you want to, whatever word you want to use, um, I'm going to wait for more data to come in. I am not going to be, you know, I'm not going to leap on this. I'm not going to take advantage of it. I'm not even going to put it in the title. Okay. Because, you know, I don't, that's not why I'm doing this to somehow get clicks. I know there's some podcasters that jump on pretty much everything, you know, any event, somebody dies or whatever the case may be. And then they'll just, you know, for marketing purposes or some kind of bullshit, they'll, they'll very loosely tie in. Uh, the subject. And I, I get really annoyed by that. That feels really disingenuous. Um, when one of the, you know, things about anarchy, I think is about all about being authentic, you know, but anyway, uh, this, the Paris attacks happened, you know, last, last weekend. Uh, this was, uh, what, what was the exact date at the time? Friday. The, the, the Friday was it the, the 13th. Oh shit. Yeah. It was Friday the 13th. Um, and some odd 120 people have died because of this. And I another, it, yeah, I thought it was like 150 or 60. Yeah, I, like I think that. it's 120 something. And then maybe 300 have been injured uh, during this. And, and you know, Paris was uh, kind of as the song goes, Paris was burning, you know, in, in, in many ways. Uh, and that's a very old song, by the way. But anyway, uh, I want to go on the tech angle of this. I'm sure lots of people would love to hear us kind of, you know, go on some screed about it uh, from a, you know, more philosophical aspect. And maybe that will get tied into some degree. Um, but I want to open I want to talk about this and I'm going to do it. I want to read a story. I mean, how can, you know, philosophy takes part in everything. Everybody brings a philosophy everywhere, whatever their, their show happens to be about. I mean, honestly, even a cooking show has to do with your philosophy. If you're not cooking a vegan dish, or if you are cooking a vegan dish, those are philosophies, you know, well, I mean, one I would say is backed by science. The other, well, anyway, uh, and I want to read a story from John C. Dvorak and it's the, it's from PC Magazine. He does a weekly, pretty much every Wednesday, he comes out with something. I'm a huge fan of his. I've covered his stories before. I think last week I even used another one of his his posts because he highlights a lot of interesting things. And I want to bring this up. So I'm, I'm going to read it here. And it's the failure of the surveillance state. This is the tech angle I want to run with on this. Don't expect, this is the underlier, don't expect our so-called intelligence agencies to learn any real lessons from the Paris attacks. Last weekend, terrorists shot up various venues around Paris, killing 129 and wounding over over 300. The attacks have been labeled by many as an intelligence failure and a sophisticated attack on Western civilization. Oh, hell, don't get me started, Stallion here, on that term, Western civilization. Uh, but let's read on. French intelligence and even the Americans blew it, even with advanced surveillance technology at their fingertips. The NSA's reach is well documented in, in the Snowden leaks. Billions of dollars spent to track cell phones, email, instant messages, and social network activity. The French spy on their citizenry, as do the uh, spy on their citizenry, citizenry, as do the Russians, the Germans, and the British. We are living in a surveillance state, mostly targeting mobile users, social users, communication users, and internet users. In other words, you. Yet seven guys who may have been sent over from some organization, ISIS or otherwise, who probably kept to themselves and didn't spend all day posting selfies, could have stayed in play for decades if they just met together every week or so and plotted this scheme in the privacy of a residence. 
unless one on, uh, of the group was a mole or stupid enough to chat about the scheme online, there was no reason to suspect anything was going on. This is the way traditional secret operations have been carried out. It is only a recent phenomenon that the Internet computers and Facebook have made it appear as if everyone wants to post selfies with the title jihadist. <laughs> this, this change in the electronic landscape led to a phenomenon called chatter. The spy agencies often talk about the volume of chatter they perceive before a major terrorist event. As if everyone knows so much about it that the communications traffic increases amongst these groups. Apparently, they all get giddy before any attack they know about in advance. The chatter is up. The chatter is increasing. The chatter is down. Chatter, chatter, chatter. In the Paris attack, there was no chatter. For some reason, this is shocking to intelligence agencies because the terrorists all had to somehow be in communication. It seems sophisticated, but it's probably not. A bunch of guys planned to create havoc and likely used a technique called verbal communication, also known as talking to each other. <laughs> Haven't mobsters done this sort of thing for ages? A bunch of guys? Didn't you see, did you see that article that said like one of them was a woman or something? Uh, it was a party girl. Who, I'm not who hung out with drug dealers. Duh. Yeah, I, I don't I didn't see that, but I, would, I it wouldn't shock me. Pay attention to it. I just sort of saw it at the corner of my eye. But OK, yeah. yeah. So we'll finish up here to today's snoops, though. The idea of a secret meeting to plan and attack is unheard of because the intelligence organizations all think that everything is done over modern electronic devices. It's a miracle that the American Revolution happened without mobile phones and Twitter. These murderers must have used some sort of advanced encryption. It's already started, but get ready for officials to take another run at demonizing encryption. And this is very true. Uh, this this already happened is that, uh, you know, para, you know, in, in France, in America, all over the place, people are already, you know, sounding the drums, you know, saying or we're sounding the trumpets saying, oh, we've got to put an end. We have to have backdoors oh, and encryption, encryption, uh, Muslims immigration yeah it's all of everything it. right every <laughs> every freedom exactly Even every though, old form of control that the government can grab onto they are going after due to these paris attacks even though they've supposedly been monitoring all these communications and they've been oppressing our freedoms for the past 15 years but right. they didn't it didn't catch it didn't stop this. but it didn't stop this yeah. now there have been some speculation first off a couple things one is the first thing like you said the immigration that was the first People were using this to somehow knock the whole Syrian refugee situation. And they are refugees. These are not migrants. Okay. They, you know, trying trying to, to, to close down borders and all this other shit. And actually, Stephanie, I had said to you as soon as we heard about the Paris attacks, like, you know, an hour or whatever after they were happening, um, I said, this is probably all to shut down the, the, the Schengen area, which is this really open border system. Uh, that exists with like 20, 26 countries or whatever. Uh, and I believe France is, uh, is one of those. So anyway, uh, you know, this, this was not, the, they already have some of the names of the people involved in this attack, you know, the attackers, and not one of them is a Syrian refugee. Each one of them is a citizen of the European Union. So you can stop saying shit about it being oh it's those dirty syrians i mean and it's so funny because yeah like you said stephanie people are calling in you know saying oh we got to close the borders close the borders it's like well you better not let any europeans in because they're the ones that did this you know we're european citizens um but you know wh what they have found out there was some speculation that they were actually that the the quote-unquote terrorists or i'll just say the attackers were using uh, a 
the place we were using PlayStation fours. They were using the PlayStation network to communicate with each other. Supposedly that's been debunked that that wasn't true, but there's no encryption going on there. Uh, you know, in the PlayStation network, I mean, that's, that's pretty wide open. So that didn't solve anything. Uh, and then some people said that they were using text apps, but they were using emoji to, you know, to coordinate the attack. And so there was no encryption being used at all. So the whole notion that we need to do something about encryption, encryption was not used in this case. There was no, they, they, having open, you know, back doors to encryption would not have solved the Paris attacks. Okay. And I'm not even getting into some people will say, oh, well, this is a setup and all this stuff. And I'm a little sympathetic to that. Like, just because I thought it was strange that within an hour of it happening, there was already a gigantic, not, maybe even less than an hour, there was a gigantic, like, like people already had memes and all this stuff to share, like celebrities were sharing and they're all sharing the same one. Like it almost seemed coordinated. It's like, wait a second. How do you already have all these really like clever artsy, like the peace symbol yeah. in the, in the, the, like somebody distributed that already. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, <laughs> once the attack happens, all right, I want we need you to share these pictures. You know what I mean? And not to say the celebrities are not, I'm not even going there. There's, there's no point. There's really not a point right now, you know, in, in, into even, you know, fantasizing about that. Okay. Uh, the point I want to bring up is that, you know, I've talked about this for years on Sovereign Tech. I said, you know what I think? I think the surveillance state is as much reliant on you using Facebook or you using whatever online service, on you using the Internet, uh, you know, as you are to get things done with it. And I said, and this is why I started the Dark Android product, I said, project, is I said that if you could get out of that, you know, if you could become anonymous on that system or just stop using it so much, stop feeding them so much data, you would effectively disappear. And I think the Paris attacks prove my point. That absolutely, yes, if you stop using all their shit, all these services, you disappear from, you know, and, and like and it's crazy what could be done. Now, I'm not supporting the Paris attacks. And Stephanie, of course, I know you're not. No way. Yeah, not by a long shot. OK, but. My point, in my opinion, my point has been proven is that, yes, you will disappear from the system if you stop using the system. Now, I'm not saying, you know, stop using computers or anything like that, but there's alternatives and there's alternative systems getting built. Mesh networking is becoming a very exciting thing. Uh, in fact, the new version of Bluetooth said, the, uh, you know, they already laid out that it's going to be optimized for mesh networking, whether it's going to be Bluetooth 5.0 or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, you know, all of these things are, are really possible. So, but you know, in, in fact, Stephanie, I really, I want to kind of, I want to get your, you know, your take on this. I mean, it's almost, it's almost the, uh, you know, what happened is an atrocity. There's, you know, I don't, I don't care for human life being lost, any human life. I, I hope I've made that abundantly clear a million times on Sovereign Tech. Yeah. Okay. You have. Uh, um, but it's almost a, an oddly hopeful message that you can exist outside of the surveillance society, outside of the surveillance state. And I mean, certainly it shows that the NSA is not all powerful unless of course we get into the conspiracy that they set it all up in the first place, you know, which I'm not going there. Okay. But the body, you know, it does appear that, well, the surveillance state uh, can fail and it can fail really, really hard. I mean, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you think do you think that's accurate, Stephanie? I mean, do you think that or do you think that I mean, or maybe do you do yeah. you give credence to the conspiracy that maybe it was a setup? 
I mean, I actually find a little a little bit of hope. Yeah, not not that I support the attacks in any way. It's, no. it's a tragedy that that happened, but um it, it's true. Like I I've wo- I've always wondered like with this these government agencies, they're so incompetent at everything. Government's so incompetent at everything right. except violence basically. And spying is not exactly violence. You know, right. spying is somewhat technical. And so how could I've doubted for a while that they were so competent at that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've always known that all this security theater was not actually keeping anyone safe. So there's always that. But uh, I mean, just the idea that they were, they're so omnipotent has been floating around in the last couple of years. I've bought into it. Yeah. I've bought into it too at times, but then I'm like, well, but they haven't brought anyone down because of it. They haven't used it. Mm -hmm. If they've been collecting all this information, maybe they're planning to in the future, but they just haven't done anything with it. If they've actually been, been collecting all of it. And then you hear that their servers are their servers are crashing and failing and things like that. And they're losing data and their water's getting shut off and (laughs) things like that. (laughs) So, and it is certainly incredibly unpopular too. And, um, I I hear a lot more people speaking out against, uh, all the spying people want their privacy. So, um, yeah, I mean, this actually gives me a little more hope that they are not as omniscient as some people think they are, or as I've thought they were in the past. Yeah. Now, I don't think, you know, and I agree. But it's I don't, not going to stop them from trying. No, right. And and you still want to encrypt everything. I mean, this isn't like, oh, well, we can just do whatever we want on the internet because obviously they can they can fuck up. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. And, and not that no one here is advocating doing anything kind of, you know, violent uh, no, against the state. We're not completely even at peaceful. all. Like, yeah. I, no one here is advocating doing anything violent, period, full stop. Yeah. On um, any, about anything. Right. So, but the fact is, is that, yeah, I, I mean, it really shows they are not omnipotent. They're not. They're not all powerful. They're not. They don't have these godlike powers that we can sometimes fall into the trap of thinking they have. Right. And maybe that is a, is the whole point. It, it's like a panopticon where we believe that they're watching everything we do. And so we're controlled in that way. Yeah, but they're not I, actually doing it. They're not actually watching everything we do. They're not actually keeping an eye on us. Yeah. And um, I think they like that narrative. I think they like that that narrative is out there. Yeah. That you think they're omnipotent. I, I think so too. Um, I, I, I think there might be some truth to that. Then again, on the other hand, so I feel a little hopeful thinking that they're not so omnipotent and omniscient as mm-hmm. we might have thought. But then again, there do seem to be just so many people falling into this trap, the same trap they fell into in every other war and 9-11 and all that. Like this this trap of like xenophobia and yeah. and hatred of other groups of people and wanting to control whether those people can move to certain places or not. Um, I mean, like the whole immigration stuff is just really reaching a boiling point lately. And even libertarians are really falling into this trap of, um, yeah, this group of people shouldn't be allowed to move to this landmass. And really all immigration is, is moving. You know, if there were no borders, if there are no states, there'd be no borders and we wouldn't have to worry about it. And why would you want to control whether someone else can move? And by the way, multiculturalism, not bad. I like it. I want it. No, oh, same here. Bring it on. <laughs> go, go live on a, death. Go live in a Nazi ranch if you really want yeah. to be alone with your own kind, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this raises something else for me, uh, because I know that um, very unfortunate uh, technologies and organizations like, say, uh, BitNation have come out and said that we're going to offer Bitcoin debit cards. We're going to offer IDs and all the stuff to all these refugees. And it's like, well, wait a second. 
But if people are just going to start rounding up the refugees, you know, due to these Paris attacks, and believe me, that, that like you said, that xenophobia has, has rekindled. It's out there. Uh, or at least it's gotten louder, whatever the case may be. Um, you're, this is like IBM with Deamog and the Jews in World War II. Where, okay, so, so, Bla, so, so BitNation, and this is why I always bitch about IDs. This is why I say you don't want ID systems. So BitNation can just hand over all those IDs to whatever government that they want to work with, and they don't mind working with governments. Uh, and oh, yeah, yeah. And say, OK, well, yeah, no, we, we've got them all here. Don't worry. We know you couldn't profile them, but we did it for you. This is the danger of that shit. You know, they know these people don't need IDs. They just need to somehow make some degree of money. And I don't think uh, seriously, I don't think that uh, that a, a, a bit nation ID is going to get accepted by, you know, the, the local supermarket. You know, they don't need that. And I, I think people think, oh, is this wonderful blockchains? Oh, it's going to help the refugees and all this shit. It's like, no, it's not. It's going to, if anything, it's going to empower the, you know, the xenophobes and the people that want to take advantage of, you know, these, these uh, atrocities that occur. That's what's going to happen out of this. Uh, and, and I, boy, that worries the hell out of me. But I mean, fortunately, you know, like, like we said, the surveillance state obviously is not omniscient. It doesn't know all. It does not see all. The all-seeing eye, uh, you, you know, has failed. But I will worry that some of these technologies that, that people are interested in are just going to, you know, pick up the, the slack, you know, and, and, and whatever. Uh, it's, it's absolutely terrible, you know, what happened uh, with, with the Paris attacks. Yeah. There's no question about that. It's going to get used for all kinds of things. It's already being used, though. You know, the encryption thing kind of apparently some to some degree, this was backed off like the New York Times uh, completely changed, which this is interesting. This this makes a comment, too. They they did a a write up on New York Times, you know, nytimes.com about it. And they they broke the link to it. And they and they had like, uh, you know, they had it redirect from the the tweet the tweet that was made about it. They had that redirect to another story from the New York Times that mentions nothing about the encryption because now you know, like people realize, wait a minute, they didn't use encryption at all. Like that's a fact. Uh, so th- that's fascinating too. It's like, well, you know, if the New York Times posted that in the Sunday issue, uh, they wouldn't have been able to retract their statements on that. You know, so I mean, people are starting to look pretty stupid out of this. So there's the chance that this is really showing, uh, you know, the sham that that the system is and i think it's proving like like we kept saying about the you know about the fact that it shows that uh that the nsa and all these guys aren't aren't omniscient i mean spy work you know it's not james bond anymore it's it's people sitting behind a computer and that's considered surveillance now that's considered investigation that's considered all this and, you know, while while on one side, people might think that that's a terrible thing on the other side. It's like, you know, if they miss things, I mean, yeah, again, this is an absolute tragedy. But if there's holes in Leviathan, OK, you know, that that's the, I mean, then they, then there it is, you know. So anyway, we'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. now for 90 seconds on sex with dr paul there's almost a one in three chance that your partner may have a tipped uterus this usually isn't a reason for concern and most women go their entire life unaware that they have a tipped uterus however a tipped uterus can impact the kind of intercourse positions that a woman likes 
The uterus is about the size of a woman's fist, and it sits just above her vagina. Think of the letter P, with the vagina being the straight part and the uterus being the round part at the top, which usually points forward or toward a woman's belly. But when a uterus is tipped, it looks more like a letter Q, with the uterus pointing more towards a woman's back or rear end, which is why some women with a tipped uterus experience period pain more as a backache than as discomfort in their abdomen. There's a good illustration of this at 90secondsonsex.com. It's not unusual for a woman with a tipped uterus to prefer intercourse positions where she's face-to-face with you, as opposed to rear entry, which can be painful because of the way her uterus is pointing. So the missionary position or a forward-facing woman-on-top position might be her favorites, as opposed to rear entry or a reverse cowgirl. Hopefully, you'll mind your P's and Q's and appreciate that some positions may feel more comfortable for a woman, depending on which way her uterus is pointing. Thanks for listening. For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. I'm in. That was almost too easy. Easy? More like you're very talented. (laughs) Thank you, Agent Sovereign. I hear you're very talented yourself. Oh, Pixel. Flattery will get you everywhere with me. What do we have? Blockchain transactions, smart contracts, the usual nonsense for my... Wait a minute. What's this? That looks like... Important messages. It is time for important messages where, of course, I cover the emails and bit messages and whatever else that gets sent in to me. Oh, Pixel. (laughs) Will you be my virtual secretary? Wow. (laughs) love (laughs) yeah uh um so (laughs) you can ask me anything in this sec my mind just went yeah it went places uh okay yeah so (laughs) you ask me anything and uh and i will uh answer it but i actually i want to take some time to read some uh some comments that were sent in uh, to the show. And uh, because, you know, and I usually, I don't read those that often because, you know, it, a lot of, I mean, just, just about any email I get starts off with, oh, uh, you know, love the show stallion, love what you're doing, you know, keep it up, uh, you know, and, and all of that. Uh, but You've I successfully gotten people to call you stallion. That's that, an accomplishment. This is, this is very true. You know, either stallion or man of tomorrow. I've gotten people email calling me soft zoo. Wow. I very rarely hear Brian. Uh, some of them call me doctor, doctor. Yeah. They say doc. <sighs> PSA. If you call him doctor, you've been you've been scammed (laughs) because he paid thirty dollars for his doctorate online. Now hold on. Whereas I worked for five fucking years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So now, I mean, again, if you are insisting that somehow I would make a mockery of an institution, uh, oh yeah, like I, I I am, I'm appalled. (laughs) I am suggesting that. Anyway, uh, so this this came in. And of course, I keep your emails anonymous unless you want me to mention them, you know, mention your name out loud. That's fine. I'm willing to do that, too. Uh, But here's one. It's hi, Brian. I'm usually a passive listener. But after hearing your 149A and 149B shows, uh, this is, of course, a reference to uh, Soviet tech, uh, as well as the show that me, you or that you and I did, uh, Stephanie, with uh, with them, with just the amazing MK Lords. And I had to write in and say thank you for an amazing show and a great exposition of the argument for a peaceful way into anarchy. Plus, now I know what uh, what see you on the other side means. I was wondering about that. Uh, So 
thank you so much for that. I've gotten so much great response from the Soviet tech episode, which is kind of a, a quasi fictional show that I did that, that starred Brian Soviet instead of Brian sovereign. If you haven't heard that, please do go check that out. Uh, but I want to read on the rest of the uh, rest of the email here, but thank you so much for, you know, saying that it was a great uh, exposition and, you know, on, on peaceful anarchy. Uh, I'm really honored by that. Uh, and he said, oh, and also thank you for the Babylon five commercials. <laughs> I never thought I would thank anyone for a commercial. If it wasn't for your continuous nagging, I never would have watched that cheesy 90s space opera. Now I totally know what you mean by greatest show in TV history. I didn't have such a deep philosophical conversation with myself since I had read Atlas Shrugged. Whoa. Now that, <laughs> that is high praise. Because, uh, I mean, I, you know, how many people say, I mean, Stephanie, I'm sure you can kind of agree with this. How many people say that, you know, Atlas Shrugged is what made them a libertarian or got them on their liberty path or whatever, the, or, you know, or an anarchist or whatever? It, it more popular than the Bible, right? Well, second. Yeah. To, yeah well, second in second. popularity. Right. Yeah. So Babylon 5 is a television show ran in the 90s. Ever since the first episode of Sovereign Tech, and we're in episode 151 now, along with, I don't know, 60 some odd specials, uh, I have ran an ad for Babylon 5, and I would change the ad up a bit. It's not always the same one. I've had different ones over the years, but uh, I consider it the greatest show in television history. I am consistently annoyed that, because I'll ask this question when I, you know, after spending a, some time with somebody, I'll say, hey, have you ever seen Babylon 5? And they'll say no, and it's just like, Oh, come on. It's like you've seen, you know, the new Battlestar Galactica. You never saw Babylon 5. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to remedy this. I'm going to make an ad for Babylon 5. And I think this makes I was keeping a tally for some years. But I think this this would definitely put it into the getting close to the 300 range of the amount of people that I have convinced to watch Babylon 5. Thanks to Sovereign Tech. So J. Michael Straczynski, creator of the show, you can write you can cut me a check because uh, I'm keeping your show alive. <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, you're the, like the biggest promoter. I'm yeah, paid. absolutely. Well, it's a great show and it is a deeply philosophical show. Nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows how great the show is. And they think, well, just because it came out in the 90s, like the guy kind of, you know, had mentioned, he wrote it off as sort of 90s cheese, but it ends up being just this amazing show once you can get through it. And I'll say again, as I've said many times when I've talked about Babylon 5 on Cyber Tech, you've got to get through the first two seasons. Once you get through that, you're set. But you've got to get through that. And of course, Stephanie and I, we've we're, we're in the middle of Enterprise right now. So we're we're not on we're not on to Babylon five uh, just yet. So but anyway, but I'm glad to hear, you know, that someone else really got out of it what I had gotten out of it. And I'm glad that that little advertisement works. See, advertising can work. And sometimes it's for a very, uh, very good uh, purpose. Now, let's let's read this next uh, this <laughs> this next email here. This is a doozy. <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh boy. <laughs> so, so Dr. Brian Sovereign. Pixel queue it up. Yeah. So I have a thing for nice, soothing voices. This is the oh, emailer. Me too, emailer. Yeah. I listen to your show on smvoice.info. That's right. <laughs> your website, of course. I listen to your show on 2x speed, meaning, you know, two times faster, and have kind of gotten used to that. Plus, you do get worked up a lot. And well, emailer, that's very true. <laughs> But then I heard your Life 4.0 talk, and this is a video, you can go to zog.ninja, it's available there, uh, where I gave my Life 4.0 talk at the Bitcoin Investor Conference. On the YouTube clip on your site, it was in 1x speed, it was calm, collected, deep, soothing. I'm in love. 
This is exactly what the email says, folks. <laughs> Ever consider narrating women's erotica? <laughs> Signed, secret admirer. Hey, hey. <laughs> I <did> good. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I want a secret admirer. I mean, I'll be your not-so-secret admirer, well, but hey, not- good for... I don't know if that came from a, a woman, man, trans person, whoever... But yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. It's I, nice to have an admirer, isn't it? Yeah. Someone who likes your voice. I like hearing that too, because yeah, yeah, I think your voice is awesome. I agree with them. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing, right? Because you know, there's people who love it that I get fired up, but then I think there's people who maybe would prefer that I that I don't. So I run a gamut each episode. <laughs> you can listen to like half of it in one X and the other half in two. You X know, I I have to say like. I mentioned before that I really like podcasts. I have never been one to listen on more than one X speed. It just ruins it for me. Yeah, I'm I'm a two X kind of guy. Sometimes when I edit my own audiobooks, when I do when I'm doing like nonfiction and I'm trying to find the outtakes, I listen to it on like one point seven five or something. Right. But it just sounds weird, you know, and it's it's just not right. <laughs> yeah. And for podcasts, I always like it at regular speed. So I yeah, don't know, maybe I'm not exercising that part of my brain or something. But oh well, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, to answer the but question, see what happens when you listen to it on one X. Uh, hey. full sexiness <laughs> and and slowly savor it and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe someday I'll narrate women's erotica. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I mean, you know, I, I fortunately uh, live with a a voice actor, so perhaps I could get the tips. On, uh, on how to do that. Uh, but let's see, Let, let's go on to another question. And we got kind of a shortened segment here. So I want to, I want to get into, get at least a few of these done. Uh, this was, I, I'm going to guess this was semi joking. Maybe it wasn't, but the question was, uh, do I work for anonymous? And uh, no, I don't. <laughs> That's just there. I do not. Um, okay. So <laughs> Let's the next one. This is one. Actually, Stephanie, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. Uh, Someone emailed me asking because and I've and I mention them all the time throughout the episode, all the different domains um, that I have, like darkandroid.info, zog.ninja, sovereigntech.com. In fact, you you heard that Unimatrix Zero. Here's a little hint. You can type in unimatrixzero.xyz and it'll take you somewhere. Uh, uh, And I have like audio of the ancients.xyz. I mean, I have have a ton of them. And the person asked, you know, do I know which one of those, like which one has worked best? Which one, I guess, maybe does well for SEO and all this stuff? And honestly, and Stephanie, you know, maybe you can correct me because you you've definitely keep a much closer eye on your metrics for all this sort of thing. And for your, you know, your business. Um, and of course, you know, I have zomiofflinegames.com as well. Uh, I don't really see my metrics as far as like what link people put in to get to my site. If they're using alternative URLs, like really all of those URLs, just, yeah. just go to zomiofflinegames.com. Can you, you can see that on your WordPress dashboard, right? I, I don't know if I, I haven't found that section if I can. Oh, there's a section about like Google searches and what leads people to your site. Yeah, like but this search is terms. Right. But, but that, yeah, this is the URL. Yeah, this is just in the address bar. What nothing should be tracking that. In fact, it's a good thing that it's not tracking that. You don't want it to, you know, mm. for privacy's sake, you don't want that tracked. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. And I mean, maybe there is a way for that to get tracked. Uh, I really have no idea which one gets the most traction. Uh, so, but I mean, Stephanie, like, have you messed with that? Do you have any thoughts kind of on, on that whole idea of using different URLs to go to the same website? 
Like, I mean, is there, do you think there's an advantage to that of any kind? Or? Well, I've heard for SEO, but SEO is just always like, cut the head off a chicken and swing it around and hope you get SEO. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like voodoo. It's, it's, yeah, it's wizardry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it changes so frequently. Um, so yeah, I actually have stephaniemurphyvoice.com. Right. And I have a, a couple of other URLs that point to my websites. I when I did pork therapy, I had P-O-R-C and P-O-R-K therapy. Right, yeah, just in case it could spell <laughs> wrong. all went yeah. to the same website. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure. I've never, I, I have to admit, for a scientist, I'm not doing a very good job because I haven't really, um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't really measured whether that's worth it. Okay. But... I think it is because I continue to keep my multiple domains. <laughs> yeah, it's a shot in the dark. I yeah. mean, the main reason I do it is is just because it isn't, and it's unfortunate. It helps, it helps in different contexts, you know. Right. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, you. no, but that you were just hitting on what I was going to say is mm, that depending ahead. on what you know, kind of what uh, what audience I'm in or that I'm speaking to would depend on what uh, you know what what URL I would give people. Like I have zog.ninja. Okay, now the reason I have that, I would have made my entire domain zog.ninja. I like that much better than zomiaofflinegames.com. Okay, uh, because it's easy to say. It's like go to zog.ninja. But admittedly, the .ninja, people don't think that that's like it because the .ninja is just another way of .com. You know, it's a, a, a TLD. It's another way of saying .com. But I think nobody realizes that .ninja is a real thing. Uh, it's going to be a while before people realize that dot info dot tech and dot all this other stuff x or dot x y z is a u is an you know is the the TLD for a URL. Um, so you know it just it depends on where you are and how you use it. It's unfortunate, and I think there's there's been some tricks recently where I think if you can you can have it all go to the same site and you can actually have it like say when I share daily content. It shares it under ZomiaOfflineGames.com, and sometimes I think on Twitter that's actually a problem because you see the URL, and it says ZomiaOfflineGames.com, but I'm writing about you know encryption or something. And so I think it's a disconnect for a lot of people that don't know who I am, which who the hell are they? But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a bit of a disconnect because it's like, why would I go to this website to read about encryption? That doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't show up as darkandroid.info. So I would have loved to have had zog.ninja be the main baseline for the site. Maybe in the future, I'll, I'll make that uh, happen. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's handy to, to give out. Like to say Zomia offline games, it's a mouthful to toss out there. Yeah. And so if I want people to read my stuff about what I do with Dark Android, I want to give them something, you know, that sounds more relevant. Uh, but yeah, I can't really track that. So uh, so I don't know. You know, that's that's the best answer I can really, you know, that I can really give on that. Uh, the last thing someone asked me about is they asked if I use Slack and if I'm a fan. Uh, Stephanie, now I know you have some thoughts on Slack and we've only, we've got a couple of minutes left, uh, to the segment. Do you like Slack, Stephanie? I freaking hate Slack <laughs> <laughs> and that's being nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, do, do you want to give some, some quick reasons or like, is it just a personal thing or is it because it's just that it's just one more thing to add on? Well, okay. It started off with me on the wrong foot because I made this login and then for some reason I couldn't log back in after that. And I couldn't like get to a place where I could see what people were talking about me. And it just, it reminds me of like, oh God, it reminds me of like high school gossip where like Julia is like, 
oh my God, Katie was talking about you. And then Anne's like, oh my God, I heard you talking about her too. And like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> those people are like, oh my God, she said something about you. And because whenever someone says your name, it emails you and right. says that someone said your name. And then sometimes I'll get these emails where it's like, I can't believe that, because st- we have a Let's Talk Bitcoin Slack. Right. So once in a while, I'll get these emails that are like, oh my God, I can't believe that Stephanie said this on that show. I completely disagree with her. And then it's like dot, dot, dot. And right. I can't read the rest of what they said because yeah. I can't log in. <laughs> and it's like, ah, it's so frustrating. It's basically like you get an email that said, hey, someone said something about you. Someone's talking about you. And right. it's not good. <laughs> Well, but you can't read it. <laughs> well, otherwise you'd have to be watching the channel and you don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Because I don't think most people interact with Slack like via their email. Like, that's the thing is that I think I think for you, I think what you're really saying is it is one more thing that you don't want to have to keep track of. You don't mind keeping track of the email, but it's inefficient in how it interacts with you via email. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of issues with Slack just because I. I'm definitely on the more conspiracy bent here that the popularity of Slack has to do with the fact that it is the first thing to come around that could that people think could replace and pay attention to my words that I that they think can replace IRC. And it's something it's closed source and it can be cataloged. Like, so I think it's designed to be communication for people to get on board with to get you away from because other people are saying it's an email replacement. I think it is this closed source system that will allow the surveillance state to catalog things better because email and IRC are tough to to keep an eye on because they they existed before all of these, you know, or before a lot of these systems, surveillance systems came into play. So personally, I think Slack is all about bolstering the surveillance state. Uh, I get the efficiency of how it works and how it's used and all that. And I get that it's tough for people to get on board with IRC. But if you are needing that real-time communication system, oh, please use IRC. Do not go with Slack. Uh, I, I think I, uh, the I, irony. Yeah, I and I don't like it. Like I set it up, I, I really I don't dig it. Uh, it it's it works great cross platform, but not a fan. The name too. We yeah, talked Slack. about that. Yeah, we've talked about that. Anyway, I'll From be back. Big with Finish more. Productions, Blake Seven, the classic audio adventures. I'm taking Liberator in on manual. We'll be in teleport range in two minutes. What the hell was that? Information. Liberator has been attacked. You don't say. Put up the force wall. Confirm. Message to all ground commanders. Initiate the final phase. Let's crush these rebels once and for all. My name is Avon. Kerr Avon. Kerr Avon. Our hostage arrives. Which you may be unnecessary. As a hostage, it's nice to be superfluous. You can go to Blake7.com to find more of the new adventures of one of science fiction's greatest masterpieces. Blake7 at Blake7.com. Did you get all the data? I got all of it. It's finished once we get this uploaded. That's if we can get away from those blockchain drones in time. Don't worry, I've got it covered. Over here. I love a woman with a motorcycle. Get on. A bike is always my first choice. First choice? 
It is time oh, for first name. choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the replacement for Tech Roulette, uh, where you can send me stories and I'll kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo them. And we moved them in, uh, or we moved this whole segment later into the show and we put HackSec in the beginning. And a lot of people really like that shakeup. They like the fact that HackSec's kind of closer in. Because uh, I think a lot of people do listen to Sovereign Tech for security news. And, you know, I just want to say real quick, like, I don't get into a lot of the nitty gritty on stuff just because really there are podcasts that have the time and the prestige to spend enough time on that sort of thing, like Security Now with Steve Gibson. I listen to that every week. It is the one podcast. If I had to choose one podcast to listen to every week, that's the one I would listen to. Uh, and I think anybody can listen to it. You don't have to be you know, super knowledgeable about things to really get something out of listening to that. It's just a great dynamic. Uh, Steve Gibson is, is amazing, a real hero of mine. Uh, so anyway, if you're wondering why I don't get into a lot, a lot of times the real nuts and bolts, that's why I will get into it if necessary. But, uh, anyway, so Stephanie, I have you on the show there. There's no way I wasn't going to do a story that had to deal with sex with you being, you know, with you being on, like if, if you, if, if you're on, we've got to do a sex story because of course, all right, we used to do the classic that show good. <laughs> yeah, that everybody always wants to bring back, wants us to bring back, which is the sex and science hour, which was on the let's talk Bitcoin network. Mm-hmm. Very popular show. So you're here. I'm here. Let's talk about sex and don't cue the. <laughs> okay. No, no salt and pepper. No salt and pepper we'll, songs. <laughs> we'll leave that to the experts, which that, is them. That's <laughs> to right. To sing They're, their own song. Let the talent stick with the talent. So, <laughs> By the way, have you seen that Geico commercial? I fucking love that. That's they, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. How they're in the. <laughs> Where they're, yeah, it's salt and pepper. They're doing pepper. pushy, right? They're, they're doing push it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like mowing the lawn. There's the guy with the lawnmower and they're following him and singing the song. There's a guy in the elevator and he's yeah. pushing the button and they're like, push it. That's <laughs> great. So, well, let's push it a bit here. Uh, this is a story from Lifehacker, and it's having sex more than once a week probably won't make you any happier. Now, how do you feel about that title, Stephanie? Well, um, first of all, I'm like, why are these scientists telling me this? Uh, what? Why is it important to them to tell me that, no, no, you really don't need to have sex more than once a week? Right. Like, why even do it? Yeah, like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, so uh, psychologist Amy... Why doesn't everyone just fuck as much as they want to and right. be done with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not, like, not ha- listen to other people. Like, like if I hear some scientists be like, you know, you really don't need to have sex more than once a week, I'm not going to be like, oh, thank you for telling me. Now I can save all this time and do some other things, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the study was led by uh, social psychologist Amy Mewis and published in Social, Psychological, and Personality Science. It involved over 25,000 Americans aged 18 to 89. After poring over the data, Mewis and her research team found that the amount of sex people involved in relationships had did factor into their general happiness and well-being. But it eventually topped out, no longer increasing participants' well-being. The study suggests that having sex with your partner just once a week is the sweet spot, meaning that it's not necessary for couples to aim for having as much sex as possible in order to be happy, though it's still fun. Uh, so, I mean, and there's no re- no reason to really read any more on that. Uh, I agree. Like, what is the purpose of this study? Like, like, what is the optimal amount of sex, you know, for a human being and all this stuff? Uh, you know, yeah. I'll admit, I don't think the science holds up to this because, as I understand it, men in particular uh, can actually, you know, can produce billions of sperm inside of five minutes to an hour. Now, why would that evolve if 
the optimal amount of sex for you, you know, for the human condition is only once a week. It would seem that the optimal amount would be once an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, what, what do you think about that? And, you know, also there's there's very good research that says that women actually want sex more than men do. Uh, so what does that say? Does that mean the optimal amount is two and a half, every two and a half minutes? The optimal amount is completely subjective. It depends sure. on the person. It depends on how they're feeling. It depends on their their age, their condition of health. Absolutely. You know, it depends on what their what else is going on in their life. It depends on their partner. It depends on or partners. It depends on. It depends. Right. You know, and it there, it's not for scientists to figure out. It's for you to figure out what is the optimal amount of sex for you. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Stephanie Murphy. Yes. What is the optimal oh, amount of fuck. sex I knew for you? you. Were say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, people don't care what I think. <laughs> um, well, it it depends. It does depend. Okay. Um, there's been times in my life where I wanted to do it every day with a partner, mm-hmm. you know, um, or even more than once a day. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's been times where I wanted to do it with myself, you know, every day. Yeah. Every couple of days. Um. Right now, I'm sick and I don't feel very sexy, <laughs> but I hope this is just temporary. Well, as uh, someone has said, I think orgasms can cure just about anything. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to test that. Theory yeah, maybe later. we'll have to test that theory out. Um, but I think overall, or or maybe right now, I'm like once every few days, mm-hmm. and and also like if I'm stressed out or if I have like a lot of work that I'm worrying about, then you know it's not it's going to go down. That that's you what know? you'd like to have it at least. Yeah, that's pretty much my baseline, yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. if I'm on vacation, maybe I'd want to do it more often than that or something like that, but Yeah. Um yeah, I do have other things in my life that I that I want to do and and also like okay, here's a confession of something very deep dark inside of me. Oh my. It's been <laughs> It's been, you know, a good 15 years of having relationships and sex with male partners. Mhm. And I have, comparatively to that, I've I am bisexual, and I've had comparatively way less experience with female partners. Okay. And I sometimes it's nothing personal at all, but sometimes I just get like a little bored of males. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that I know. I just want. <laughs> I'm not taking any offense. Yeah, yeah I know, and I know you understand. We've talked yeah. about this so much, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes, so like my drive is different for like male versus female female just seems like so so much more novel and mm-hmm. new to me and something that I'm eager to like explore and get more experience at yeah um whereas male I'm kind of like well I know how to have sex with men I've I've done it you know I've been there done that and I know how to and and well, that I'll there's say. there's something <laughs> There's something comforting about that because it's easy. You know, it's like, okay, we're both going to have a good time because I I know exactly what to do. And it's going to (laughs) be, especially if it's like someone like you, where we know each other really well and we've been together for a long time, uh, several years. And, you know, we we know each other. We know we're going to we know it's going to be a good experience. We don't have to worry about doing something that the other person doesn't like or trying to navigate figuring out what the other person likes we have great communication and we know each other but um yeah sometimes i also just want some something new <laughs> yeah no absolutely i think yeah, that makes i feel a lot like there's sense. a whole world out there that i haven't yet explored to the fullest potential it's like an uncharted star system that I would like to navigate with I my l- enterprise. I love that analogy. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, 
Myself, I mean, I have to say, like, you know, in a relationship, yeah, obviously I generally want to do it multiple times a day. Uh, that's that's certainly, you know, or at least once a day. That's where I'm at my happiest. Uh, but, you know, I don't really get agitated until probably once a week. So I'm not saying there's anything to this study, uh, but I guess I can I can kind of understand that it is. It's so subjective. Like you said, Stephanie, I I completely agree with that, that, it, that it's a very subjective uh, you know, thing of what, what is, it's all up to someone's, you know, kind of personal taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it, but that's the thing is that there's nothing really scientific. I think about the notion that you have to do it at least once a week, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> or that you should only do it once a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Either way you go with that. Like that's, that's meaningless. Uh, because I mean, scientifically, like I said, you know, by some facts, it would seem that, you know, people should be stooping almost nonstop. Right. (laughs) What is the you probably want me to ask you this. What is the ideal amount of sex for Brian Sovereign? Well, that's what I was just saying is that, you know, multiple times a day or at least once a day. Okay, is definitely, uh, you know, the ideal. Um, but like yeah, I said, I get agitated. consistent with my experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I do get agitated after about a week, you know, like, yeah, uh, like that's, but, but that's, that's usually not a problem at all. <laughs> well, not by a long shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I completely just forgot what I was going to say. No worries. <laughs> I know you're just, your head went elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I remembered it. So yeah. have you ever had a partner that had like a way higher drive than you that you couldn't keep up with and you felt like they wanted no. too much sex? No. Okay. I've had the opposite mm-hmm. multiple times. My partner didn't want it as yeah, much as you but, did. But yeah, but not, not the other way. And you know, that's something else too. I just want to make this real clear. I've said it on Sovereign Tech in the past, but I have a ton of new listeners all the time. So maybe they don't hear these things from me. Like, I don't believe sex addiction is real. Like, I, I don't think that's an actual condition. Uh, I mean, I don't know what term to use otherwise, but I think sex, sex addiction is uh, nonsense. There's not to say there aren't unhealthy attitudes that can exist around sex and can exist around the desire to have lots of it. Mm-hmm. There certainly are. But I don't think that there's such a thing as like sex addiction. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that just that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, read Marty Klein's work if you want to talk about sex addiction. Right. Like it's totally a social construct. Yeah, debunks you know? the whole thing. Yeah. It's basically the definition of sex addiction is you have too much sex or you have more sex than a therapist thinks you should or you have or right. you have a different kind of sex than a therapist thinks you should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like, well, I just, I, I felt so compelled. I had to have sex with this woman. I'm sorry, honey. You know, I, I couldn't help myself. I'm, a, I'm a sex addict and all this stuff. And it's like, no, you're a human being. You were attracted and you wanted to have some fun. It's like, you know, come on, let's, let's just be. It, if it's it, causing a problem for you, that's one thing. Like, I, we have talked to some people before who have said, like. Yeah, I've I've had times in my life where I've compulsively had sex, like or I'd go out and one night try to pick up a girl and then try uh-huh. to and then go home fuck her and try to pick up another girl the same later the same night and it wasn't even fulfilling and it didn't feel good and I felt completely numb and they were doing it out of like a compulsion like Right, but that's so, not addicted to sex. That's No, that's that's a that's, that's like a self medication of behavior. Trauma. Yeah. Yeah, and they like it's yeah, it's not really about like you like sex too much or something like that. It's about that compulsive thing. And like, what are you trying to numb yourself from or medicate yourself with through that strategy of pursuing lots of sex? Yeah. I just, I think the, the, the term sex addiction is like the newest version of the devil made me do it. 
Okay, you know, like like that's that's the thing. It's not like <laughs> yeah, I think you're. I, think I mean, you're right I mean, the, you know, there's like yes, there's there's alcohol addiction, there's drug addiction because there's chemical changes or like there's certain chemical, uh, you know, affairs that you need to normalize by ingesting or you know whatever you're doing with 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 these various substances. Okay, that's a very different story with sex. I mean, I don't. You know, I, I mean, yeah. you're addicted to what, oxytocin? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had times in my life where I used new people, like, as a drug, you know? Like, right. the chemicals that come out when you have the new relationship. But if you can recognize that, you don't need to label it sex addiction. You just learn what you can from it and stop. There you go. Launch. In the third age of mankind... An age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launched. Return fire. Freedom! Watch Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. Excellent Asian Sovereign. Welcome to Unimatrix Zero. Thanks, computer. So, Brian, looks like we have the whole place to ourselves. We do, actually. Did you have something in mind to do? Well, this is virtual reality. I thought maybe we could. Pixel, you look... I love VR. Come here, Brian. of sex addiction <laughs> my god that's pretty erotic <laughs> i really like that i thought you might erotic audio theater yeah. with pixel <laughs> and the yeah. computer's even in there a little bit well well you know it's it's inviting but anyway <laughs> uh so you know a question that I got, and I was going to do it during important messages, but I decided, you know what? No, let's push it off to the climax here. Uh, one one question that I got is some people didn't know what Unimatrix Zero was. Like they're wondering, it's like, Brian, what did what exactly did you create here? And I'll admit, it's not my creation. Um, Unimatrix Zero, and, and Stephanie, actually, you know what Unimatrix Zero is. Uh, yeah. In fact, if you want to describe it quick, go for it. Okay, so Unimatrix Zero is a, a cool, and I'm glad you grabbed onto it because I think it's kind of, it's a cool idea, but it's, it's kind of awesome under, underutilized. Like yeah. no one really talks about it. Unimatrix, Unimatrix Zero is like, so there's the Borg in Star Trek. Right, this right? is from Star Trek. This is from Star Trek. The Borg are a uh, transhumanist kind of race of things <laughs> yeah. that are sort of melding the biological with the technological. Right. So they're like these cyborgs, this, this collective that's all interconnected like a hive of bees and they have sort of a, a queen or like a central brain or something, but they're, they're cyborgs. Yeah. yeah they're the they, ultimate collectivists. Mm -hmm. And they will assimilate any uh, humanoid life form that they find. They will implant them with cybernetic uh, devices and give them these, these weird parts and control them. With, even children. Yeah. Even children. Yeah. With, uh, with these chips. And so, um, 
the, instead of sleeping, they regenerate. They sort of plug into the wall and they, yeah, they, they get electrical power. Yeah. They don't have to eat. They just basically eat electricity right. and uh, are nourished that way. And uh, so they regenerate for a couple hours each day instead of sleeping. And there's a couple of Borg, there's like a subsect of the Borg, like very few of them that have right. some genetic mutation that allows them to not be completely subsumed by the collective where they retain like a shred of individuality or at least the capacity to during this regeneration cycle to basically dream right instead of having their dreams not manifest i guess like most borg don't dream but these few do that have this genetic mutation right so when they dream they can all meet up together because they're neurally linked so they can meet yeah, the they can have the same no matter dream. how far away they are yeah yeah they can have, have the same dream and they can meet up in this land called unimatrix zero yeah. and it's like a virtual reality where they're not borg they're they're their original humanoid selves right. so like if they were human like seven of nine was human she's like fully human she doesn't have any of the borg get up or implants yeah and she even goes by the name annika and all mm-hmm. that yeah yeah and they have their individuality back and so they can visit this place but only in their dreams right and the borg collective knows about it and they will send they can send like spies to it um but they can't completely eradicate it the only way they would be able to would be to kill off those drones that have the genetic mutation exactly so um yeah so unimatrix zero yeah. it's like this paradise I yeah mean, virtual paradise they even they can to. have like relationships with each other right there. they love and i mean they mm-hmm. get it on they do the whole shtick you know uh and yeah. so I thought it was such a cool idea because it really resonated with the idea of, and this kind of ties in with, you know, I think with like the idea of living inside of surveillance state, if that, what if within the internet, that is such a huge tool for the surveillance state, you had safe places where you could temporarily hide and interact freely, you know, and, and, and all of this, you know, like these virtual, you know, these, these virtual communities, these VR communities, And uh, it was one of the major themes of my Life 4.0 talk that I mentioned earlier. Um, And so, Steffi, I'm kind of wondering, like, I mean, how how do you feel about this? Like, what what do you think is the viability of virtual communities? I mean, because, you know, I would debate that at least in our lifetimes, maybe within the next hundred years or less, you know, I don't think that, I mean, maybe we'll live on forever, but, you know, I I don't think that we're going to see, like, planet-wide freedom of any kind. Like, I, I've always said that the best thing you can do right now, and you can get 99% of the way there with freedom, is to, like, create some kind of intentional community somewhere. And so, but what if you take that to virtual reality? Create, you know, like, yeah, you work for, you know, you work in this terrible system that we exist within during the day, but then at night you can pop on the VR goggles and you can, you know, be free there. Like, how, how do you feel about this whole idea? Oh, man. Lots of thoughts. Sure, um, go for it. There's there's the criticism that people always make where, it, like, you're just distracting yourself from reality, nah. right? You're evading mm-hmm. reality, as Ayn Rand would say, right? <laughs> by going into these virtual worlds and trying to be free there. But the counter argument to that, which actually um, you gave a talk about virtual yep, the reality. Life 4.0. Yeah, yeah. Go watch the talk; it's really good, and it has props. Right. <laughs> Um, at the Bitcoin Investor Conference. And Stephen Michaels, who organized the conference, um, brought up this point that virtual worlds are just other worlds. Yeah, They're it's not, still reality. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's part, it's, it is still part of reality. Yeah. Um, it's just not the same reality that we normally exist, exist within. It's just a different, it's, it's a change of scenery, right? right. It's an other, it's another 
type of reality, another aspect of, of the same reality. Right. Um, so it's not it's not exactly the same thing as, you know, like taking drugs to try to alter your consciousness or something. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, freedom in a virtual world, if it's confined to that virtual world, um, obviously I'd like us to have freedom all the time. Yes. Not just well, same sometimes. Here. Same right? here. Yeah. But if, if the virtual freedom is all you can get, eh, maybe take what you can get. I don't know. I feel really, uh, really mixed about it. Um, so I guess, well, if I or if you got more points, go for it. Yeah. Like the, the thing that I always think of with virtual reality, because as it is right now, I haven't tried the Oculus or anything, but I've tried Google Cardboard and it just makes me sick. Like, uh-huh. it, like ill, you know, physically oh, yeah. There's some nauseated. People, right. That it doesn't work for at all. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like it. I feel really confined. Like my eyes are crossing and I, do, I just don't feel well when I mm-hmm. do it. So I don't, I don't think I could really get into the experience as much as if there wasn't something strapped to my face. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I just, I guess I don't have much hope that I could really have this very freedom um, living experience in virtual reality because I've only experienced it as like this uh, Google Cardboard. I feel kind of queasy okay. right now. <laughs> well, what if, what if you could create it like you could just set a device down in the middle of a room and then it, it just kind of does the holodeck trick where like the whole room becomes this virtual space that you can now interact with be, other people in. That would be really cool. I, there's a lot of things I'd love to do in right. that context. Yeah, yeah, because I think VR is going to get to that point. Uh, I, I well, mean, it's got I, a long way to go. Sure. But that's I mean, it's still it could get to that point. And so that's why I want to you know, I really want to start touching on like the overall philosophy of the fact like, is that is that something is that viable? Is that or does that stand against productive achievement or something like that? No, uh, it doesn't. And it can be great. Actually, I'm just thinking of like, how many friendships do I have that are primarily conducted over Skype? Right. You know, obviously, I'd rather have my friends nearby so we could actually hang out and like touch objects together and see each other in real life and eat meals together and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, Skype works pretty well as a proxy for that. You know, you can have great you can have all the interaction and conversation almost just minus the touching. Right. Or the minus the being in the same room and you know, smell perhaps. Yeah, and, and the body eating, language. Eat. Per, well, yeah, some of the body language some you can of the get, body language, but, yeah. but some of it you can get, yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course it depends on internet and if the yeah. plug gets pulled on that. I, I don't know. So I guess in a way, like if I think about how many friends I have that I keep in touch with on Skype, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in a way I'm already doing the virtual intentional community thing by by proxy just by, by virtue of that that's an interesting point yeah i think i i think there's you really got something to that now we've only got a couple minutes left so i kind of i do want to ask like how do you feel about virtual property like this idea i brought it up in the life 4.0 talk where okay bitcoin allows you to take your money with you wherever you go and you don't need to have anything you know or like or all you need is your smartphone or something like that uh what if you had like you could create kind of that virtual space you know, say with a smartphone or just some small technology that you have and all your belongings exist within that. Uh, like, how do you feel about that? You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, your teapot doesn't exist within there, but, you know, like all the other accoutrements, you know, like, like, I mean, how do you feel about that? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if it's the pack rat in me or something or the hoarder, but mm-hmm. Yeah, real world stuff is is important to me. Yeah, well, I mean, like you ask people, like, 
okay, you know, what do you want in your room and stuff like this? It's like, well, I'd like that painting hanging there. I'd like books, you know, and all this stuff. Well, a lot of people already accept kind of eBooks, right? So, I mean, you're not going to like bookshelves have become, have gone the way of the Dodo for a lot of heavy readers. Uh, yeah. Books is one thing, but mm-hmm. like, I'm just thinking of like, what if I didn't have any blankets? What if oh, I didn't have yeah. like my neti pot that I was trying to unstuff my nose with? Yeah. This morning? So, right. So those things would be that, that obviously that'd be a different story. Like your, your virtual existence is not there <laughs> like yeah. to, where, to where those things are, are necessary. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking more of like, cause people think about, you know, having, and I understand it, you know, having gigantic houses and it just being loaded with, I don't know, all, all kinds of Crap. stuff, <laughs> you, you yeah, know, stuff, like I yeah. don't, I don't, Myself, I'll admit, I don't see why that stuff can't just be virtual. Yeah, your neti pot can't be virtual. Your teapot can't be virtual, like I said. Your car? But, if no, you wanna, your car can't be. If you want to drive or travel? No, right, that can't be. But I think a lot of the stuff that people think about, you know, I, I guess I, I wonder about that. You know, it, I mean, it's it's something worth exploring. So, I mean, do you have do you have any last thoughts on virtual reality that you want to share before we? I don't want anything strapped to my face constantly. I agree with you there. I'm 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 one hundred percent with needs you. To be free, the yeah. face. Free the face. Free the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good note to, to end on. I like that. All right, fair enough. I'm I'm with you. I don't need something strapped to my face. You know, twenty four seven either. Uh, but anyway, of course, if people want to find more of you, Stephanie, uh, they can go to smvoice.info. I'm sure they'd love to go to Playboy, but that's that's not happening, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, and if you want to get in touch with me, just get in touch with Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the secretary You're, you're now. the secretary now. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, uh, if you appreciate it, thank you so much for being on, Stephanie, of course. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, always tons of fun. fun. Uh, if you want to donate to the show, got some great donations last week. Thank you so much for those. Just head to zog.ninja. Carpe Lucem, everybody. Woo! I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.